This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. I don't love things cloying and overly sweet. Um, in fact, people I work with, you know, they joke about how much I, I don't eat sweet stuff. Um, I can have one bite of something, and if I can make it past that first bite and try it again, I know I'm, I'm good. But if it's too sweet and I don't want any more of it, I'm, I don't even put it on the menu. Like, this is gross. I can't do it. Hello, I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. And you're listening to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Valentine's Day is a complicated holiday. A fancy dinner with romantic candlelight could make some wonderful memories. Or hastily purchased drugstore chocolates might lead to disappointment and the doghouse. On this bonus episode, we're talking to someone on the front lines of Valentine's Day dining. Elizabeth Dahl is a pastry chef at Gray's and L'Etoile and a James Beard Awards semifinalist. She makes gorgeous, intricate desserts, special ice creams, delicate cakes, and perfect pastries. She does not do heart-shaped stuff. This is so much more exciting than a box of crappy truffles from the drugstore. To heck with cream puffs, let's celebrate fancy pastry this Valentine's Day. Give a listen. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. It's the week of Valentine's Day. Do yeah. you ha- when does Valentine's Day prep start? Um, after I'm done here. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> no, I mean, I've been thinking about it and writing and rewriting the menu for, you know, a few weeks now. Um, I've gotten some, like, ice creams out of the way because I can freeze them and they have a few weeks shelf life. But, um, yeah, I mean, given that, you know, most of the stuff you make really – can only sit for up to a week. I'm not starting it until today. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's just a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. Of, like, it's the planning like you're talking about, figuring mm-hmm. out what it's going to do, and then now hustling through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background. Like, when did you realize that pastry was going to be your path? Well, I went to culinary school for everything. Um, I loved cooking. Um, but prior to culinary school, I wanted to study art and I was really into painting and, um, I don't know, I did that all in high school and thought that was going to be the path and then realized that, um, everything was heading towards computers and I am not tech savvy. I get like pretty much as far as I am from here to the microphone to a computer and I break it. (laughs) So, um, I'm way more hands-on and detail-oriented. And um, meanwhile, I love to cook, and it was around the time when, like, the Food Network and Emerald and Mario and all them were just, like, like they were so cool. And it was like, okay, I guess this could be acceptable path for me. You know, it, not that my parents were ever, like, you have to go to a traditional college and you have to have a traditional degree or anything like that. It was more of, like, mentally coming from, you know, I was very type A and, like, felt that that should have been like should get a degree in something and realize I can get a degree in culinary arts and it's um and you can go further and whatever which I I pretty much just stopped at my associates and when I realized just like I'm in restaurants and once you're in restaurants it's kind of hard to just get out of them yeah and as far as focus in pastry um there's a lot more artistry I feel with pastry um 
and a lot more, not that you can't have that same attention to detail in um, savory food, but yeah, I liked the creativity and the, the artistry and pastry. What sets a fine dining dessert apart from the kind of things we make at home? Well, I think it's kind of first defining a, a plated dessert, which, you know, it's not just having a slice of pie that you might have at home. It's like pie with sauce and a garnish and could be a couple of garnishes. Um, like in a fine dining restaurant, it would be more of like an individual um, pie or tart. Like <laughs> we have a tasting menu on. We do these like monthly tasting menus that are um, theme driven and the menu right now is um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so it's all hey. um, movie-related, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a, it took a while of trying to figure out what I wanted my dessert to be because uh, there's lots of food in movies, but when it came to desserts, there's, like, chocolate cake in movies. There's, you know, Matilda, and but you you see, like, chocolate cake in many movies, not just that. And I've, I've done recently, like, a couple different cakes. I was like, I'm kind of over cake. And then I had this, like, moment of, like, <laughs> actually, Christine Miller, I work with her, uh, Tori's wife, and um, she's like, oh, would you do that scene from The Help with the... Oh, the God. <laughs> no, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> we that's, both that's got a huge laugh out of that, like, um, yeah, I don't think I want to serve that Mm-mm. pie and make people think of what I'm trying to give them, a so... too adjacent to... Uh... Yeah. yeah. So, um, but pie kind of got on my mind, and and it um, my mind got off onto the waitress. Oh, and yeah. um, I used to make pie with my grandma, and um, so I loved the, like the connection of her mom making pie with her, and just like the warm fuzzy she got from mm-hmm. that, especially amidst whatever bad crap was going on in her life at the time. Um, so I rewatched the movie, and I picked. I'm like, I got to find something out of this movie that I want, and so. Um, a pie that she did was called Lonely Chicago Pie. And I was like, oh, that's it. I miss Chicago. That's the perfect name for the the pie I'm going to do. And I actually, the flavors made sense because she does some pretty crazy stuff. She does. She does some <laughs> weird <laughs> flavors in that. Some things that I don't, you know, like, that sounds gross. But um, this one definitely like, oh, I can I can do a riff on this. And um, so the Lonely Chicago Pie I have on the menu is more of a tart because um, – I can't imagine serving a slice of pie at L'Etoile. It's kind of similar ingredients, but kind of uh, redefined in a little bit more upscale or more elevated mm-hmm. approach. So when you were developing that specific, um, the the Lonely Chicago pie, and you made it your own, how would that uh, like tie into how you develop things for the menu? Well, there are actually desserts posted for that Lonely Chicago pie when I Googled it, and... Um, I say desserts, I meant <laughs> there's recipes. recipes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Instructions. Yes. Um, and so I I kind of compare them. I always, you know, you do this. You compare them, see which one, like, makes the most sense in terms of just, like, proper method of making things. And um, I made, like, a first iteration. It was just sweet and super cinnamony. I'm like, who developed this? This is gross. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I kind of... Tweaked it more on the realm of like a – it seemed like it kind of came off of like a buttermilk chest pie or at least like that like a custard base. Um, so I took it that direction so it wasn't so sweet. And it has like crushed berries in it, which obviously aren't seasonal right now. But I had some um, – a bunch of blackberry jam from the summer 
um, from our, you know, local berries. And then um, have a like a dark chocolate custard on top rather than just melting chocolate chips on top, which is what she did. The, the face that Lindsay is making, that she, so she wants a bite of this so bad. I do. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Do you, when you're developing desserts, um, is it often coming from, like you mentioned, you got a tasting menu and it had a theme. Like recently mm-hmm. it was like an ode to Wisconsin supper clubs, yeah. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is that usually where you're starting in terms of your inspiration for things is is that kind of framework yeah i mean we sit down um like we put a menu on and then that next tuesday we sit down chef tori and i and the sous chefs and um talk about the next month's tasting menu just to kind of like start thinking about it um and uh you know he kind of generally has an idea of what he wants to do and talks through the courses um, so sometimes it just comes organically that way, um, like in the situation with the supper clubs. You know, my mind went to like, well, it's got to be based on a, a pink squirrel or a grasshopper. It's got to be there somehow. Drinks, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually <laughs> – I love them. I personally don't have um, – I'm growing an affection for supper clubs, but I'm not from Wisconsin. And I love them so much. Just, I get it. I get it. Um, but my <laughs> husband and I, when we were up in Rhinelander, we – that was the only place to eat. So we oh, yeah, yeah. we ate at one and we had this, you know, I don't think I'd had a grasshopper pie since I was like dabbling in baking when I was in my, you know, adolescent years mm-hmm. with like Cool Whip and, you know, borrowed some cream de menthe from my, you know, it was pretty uh, rustic. <laughs> but yeah, that the grasshopper pie was awesome. And it was just like, I, I get it. You know, I see what the... Th- it's not something I want to eat every day, and there's definitely people that want it every day. But it's very kitschy, and I, it's cool. Yeah. So it's very can, supper clubby if it's kitschy. It's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> so did you put a grasshopper pie like riff on the yeah, tasting a, menu? It was a um, a mousse. Um, it was funny. I went out on my way to work that day, knowing I had to make it, and I bought a bag of marshmallows and I bought a jar of. Um, Fluff. Marshmallow fluff. Yeah. And I got to work. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I can do better than this. <laughs> <laughs> so I I made a mousse um, in a in a similar style method of, you know, you know, how you make mousse. And like, but yeah, I'm gonna put cream de menthe and I'm gonna put uh cream de cacao. Um but I had I had thought about this um actually prior to coming in. I had a bottle of wonderment left from death store that we had you know we've got so much booze left from the restaurant <laughs> in our basement and um and i like how wonderment wasn't so like in your face um you know the the fake color green cream de menthe it has a lot of complexity to it and i thought well that that'll you know mellow it out a little bit it still tasted great like a grasshopper and it still had that very pretty green color. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, it, it was actually surprisingly pretty successful in terms of what could have been a disastrous supper club dessert. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. What are some of the weirdest things that you've been able to incorporate into desserts? Unusual, um, not weird, but unusual. I haven't done this in a long time, but back when I was in Chicago and I, I don't know, there was a lot more, 
um, I don't want to say competition. That's not the right word. There's a lot more pastry chefs doing restaurant pastries mm-hmm. in Chicago. And yeah. I was working at a Michelin restaurant, and I was pushing the buttons a little bit. Um, I used – I did a milk chocolate and curry thing, but, I mean, it, I made like a pumpkin cake, but I put mustard in it. And um, I'm sure that curry powder had like – onion and you know thinking yeah. back like it all tasted good I'm like what was I thinking you know it's just I try to think of some other things I've done I mean I, I work savory into a lot of the food I do just because I don't love things cloying and overly sweet um in fact the people I work with are you know they joke about how much I I don't <laughs> eat sweet stuff um I can have one bite of something and if I can make it past that first bite and try it again. I know I'm, I'm good, but if it's too sweet and I don't want any more of it, I'm I don't even put it on the menu. Like this is gross. I can't do it. Um, but yeah, they they see me eat salads all day because I I crave savory stuff and I crave vegetal stuff because I I'm around this sweet stuff all day. So. so I mean, you mentioned like the vegetal stuff, and we talked earlier about um, the the berries in the the Chicago pie. Mm-hmm. You had to use the jam. How how did like the seasons affect what you're doing? So I, mean, I definitely have you know thoughts about how you know savory menus rotate, but I don't mm-hmm. really think about how dessert menus. Yeah, I was really... definitely pushing it a bit because I had blackberries, but I had them put up from the summertime. So yeah. that, I mean, you know, if we take stuff that's at its peak and and preserve it somehow and use it in the winter, I mean, that's kind of the point of what we do because we have to um, because of what we have to work with in winter. Um, so, yeah, that that worked, but we are kind of stuck right now with reaching a little further past Wisconsin and using things <laughs> like like I have kumquats on the menu and passion fruit, and, um, and we get pretty cool citrus from California and stuff like that. Yeah, citrus is the thing that I most look forward to. I think mm-hmm. in terms of winter seasonality, mm-hmm. I love the variety of citrus. Um, you sort of mentioned that you're not a big sweets eater mm-hmm. personally. Um, so I, I wonder, like, in your home life and in your, like, social life, do people get nervous, like, making cakes and pies for you? Yeah. Do you get tapped a lot for your, like, kids' functions and things to cook yep. baking things? Yeah, and, I, and I'm fine. I'm happy to do that. You know, I think that's – I went so many years um, on the early end of my kids' Uh, of our, when we had Nostrano, I just felt like I was, that was my world as much as I wanted to be there for the kids. I couldn't do all those, you know, domestic things for them. And so now I've been a room parent every year, um, since they've been in elementary school. And now that I have a little bit more balanced life working for somebody else instead of, uh, having a restaurant, I have, um, I have more time to make sure I can make cupcakes for their class and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, they do hit me up. Um, but at, on the flip side, no, I do not get a lot of things made for me. <laughs> People don't even really ask. It's funny. It's like Christine actually surprised me for my birthday and made it a cake. I can't remember the last time somebody's made me a cake for my birthday. And it was really sweet because it was like not just a – I don't know, a chocolate cake that you would think of. It was like a gingerbread cake with cream cheese, fr- like things, flavors that I'm into. And it was really nice how personal that was because um, even my husband, who is a trained pastry chef, knows that, um, you know, I'm happy if I have a bowl of ice cream in front of me. And that's kind of all I usually want. Um, I kind of go throughout the day not eating sweets at all. But at the end of the night, I always have a couple scoops of ice cream before I go to bed. <laughs> so good, though. 
<laughs> I was looking over some of your um, previous desserts, and mm-hmm. I was noticing a lot of flavors like like oatmeal or, or like, mm-hmm. you know, like stout that has some bitterness to it. Um, you know, a lot of things with sort of nuts, like and toasted nuts, which also can have a, like a little bit of bitterness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, using smoke with maple, these kinds of yeah. ideas um, where you're you really sort of incorporating these elements of balance mm-hmm. um, in like toastiness, nuttiness, but also acid. Yeah. In, in the That's dessert. That's become super important to me. And I think it kind of draws from the fact that I was – as far as, uh, like, I didn't set out to do pastries. I wanted to cook. And I think that it's so beneficial to know how to cook and balance flavors and know that, you know, salt brings out flavors. Acids bring out flavors. Um, if it's too sweet, add something, whether it's bitter or salt or something, to balance it out because um, it's it's otherwise it's just going to taste too one way or the other. Um, so that's always been like a big thing for me when I develop desserts is um, balance in all the flavors, but also textures and temperatures. I like having all of that. Yeah. Do you eat dessert when you go out? No. It's like. <laughs> I mean, they send dessert to us, but. Oh, my <laughs> I don't typically order it. I'll, I'll look at the menu and. Um, I don't know. I like I said. I I love my. I usually fill up on savory food so much that I'm like I I don't. I do want something sweet, but I want like, um. I don't know. I I'd, I'd like a cheese plate with some fruit on it, um, or just a scoop of ice cream. That's yeah. really all I'm looking for. Is so like just save or just save the scoop of ice cream for when you get home and. <laughs> Let my food digest a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Are there pro tips you have for people who are baking at home who maybe want to like take their pie or their cake to the next level? Like a couple hmm. things that they can do to make it a little bit nicer, fancier, prettier? Um, I think skipping the shortcut stuff in terms of making um, desserts. I think. Um, Cake mixes are great, but I think those should only be used in a pinch. I think take time to to find some recipes that work for you. Um, use fresh whipped cream. Don't use Cool Whip. Um, I like incorporating, um, you know, if you want to make something a little more interesting rather than putting a layer of frosting in between a cake, put, put some jams that you made or, or make a quick compote out of some frozen fruit or fresh fruit or whatever you have. Um, these aren't really pro tips so much. It's just trying to um, shake people out of like whatever normal practices they might already have. Yeah, I mean, I just find there's people like if you're going to take the time to make something, take the time to make something because um, shortcuts never going to they're never going to put you in a in a better position necessarily, um, and I think use I think there's always this thing of using the best quality ingredients you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, Chef Tori's. Uh, he always says bad food makes bad food, and that's true. You know, there's one thing about using you know scraps of this or you know an apple that's not in the best condition. Okay, that's fine, but not if it's rotting. You know, like yeah. it, there is something to um, using the best quality ingredients will come up with the best the final product. I will sometimes find that if I think about what it's going to look like when I'm done at the beginning, 
mm-hmm. that is helpful because so many times I'm just like, oh, whatever, just like put it in the batter in the pan and like make it whatever. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but if I actually start thinking about like, oh, wait, like I want the edges of this to look nice and crimped when it's done. And I think about that sooner versus at the end of being like, wait, why didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I take more time with this that looks cracked and bad? Um, and I'm always making excuses. Like, it tastes really good, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a kind of a one sort of last question for you before our little lightning round that we do at the end. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Tell me about that Yeah, yeah, one. no, it's fun. <laughs> That's why it's a lightning round. No. Uh, it's unexpected. So, uh, Chris, I think you and I both watch a fair amount of, like, food-related television mm-hmm. and YouTube. Um, and a question that I had, I noticed on Top Chef, mm-hmm. uh, those are all mostly savory chefs, mm-hmm. cooks. Um, and when there's like the restaurant wars challenge or whatever, the pastry part, like making a dessert of some kind is always like, oh, no, you're going to go home on pastry. Like, everyone, you're gonna- everyone gets really scared of it. Either yeah. that or there will be someone who like baking is their thing and they're like referred to as like the baking person the yeah. entire like season. But it's like their ninja skill in this back pocket. Yeah. Like, oh, but like I was a pastry chef for two years, so I can do this amazing thing. And I was like, are the skill sets that different and that intimidating? Like, do you have any insight into why that is? Why people get so freaked out about? Well, in pastry, there is something to say about measuring ingredients and savory cooks often just dump it in and work with it, you know? And you can't do that when you're baking. There's a reason you have to scale your recipes. You have to, um, I weigh everything. Um, But I think it's interesting when I do work alongside a line of savory cooks right next to me and, um, you know, they, they get given like something like biscuit, a biscuit for their, their dish. And, um, they all of a sudden have to, like, pull out these skills they're not used to having to use, like teaspoons and scales and things to weigh and actually to make the biscuit the best, you know. So um, it is definitely not – it's it's something out of their – it's not out of their skill set. It's just out of their, their – you know, they, they just don't do that. It's the muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is always just so fascinating to me, mm-hmm. like how people are, like, really nervous about – about doing pastry. Yeah. And maybe it's also... And if they're going yeah. into Top Chef, they should practice a little of that before they <laughs> yeah. get into yeah. it. Exactly. Like, come on. This, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have all television. these thoughts when we watch these shows. Like, why are they... What? <laughs> like, are, you should be preparing for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Chris, do you want to do the lightning round? Sure. Yeah. Do it. So to be giving two options, mm-hmm. and it's either or. Okay. So, Top of your first head. one. Ice cream or sorbet? I feel like we already know. That's the, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was going to be coming, and then, yeah. It's my Billie Eilish look. Exactly. Like, yeah. Duh. Uh, gelato or panna cotta? Gelato. Gelato. Fruit or chocolate? Fruit. Apples or pears? Apples. Honey or maple syrup? Maple. Maple syrup. And this is the big one. I feel like. Divides a lot of people. Cake or pie? Pie. Pie. All right. All of those seemed way easier for you than I hoped they would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I have, I've been doing this for a while. I have some opinions. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. 
Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, you too. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our theme music was composed by Patrick Christians. Natalie Yar edits the podcast. The Corner Table drops every other week, but sometimes we do bonus episodes like this one. Subscribe to The Corner Table on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review if you like us. You can follow us on Facebook and check out captimes.com for more food and drink news. Check out our recent review of Buck and Honey's and read Rob Thomas's take on tater tot wraps at Conrad's Grill. And Lindsay is the special guest on this week's Mad Splainers, talking about Kickapoo Coffee's name change and why it matters. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. And our wish for you this week is fancy ice cream with fudge sauce. Cheers! This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.